How can we make sure that social isolation doesn't harm our seniors? Welcome to Tech First with John Kutsir. We're in lockdown right now. In fact, much of the world is in lockdown. And for seniors, that can be particularly scary and lonely. Seniors are often lonely at the best of times, and now visiting them is actually dangerous. So we look for technology for ways to connect us. With us today to discuss how to make that happen is a friend of mine. His name is George Krieger. He's a photographer and a technologist. George, welcome. Thank you. Really appreciate you taking some time here. I mean, I've had the privilege of watching you over the past few months on social media where you've had to set up something for your dad before this whole coronavirus thing. Can you talk a little bit about that situation and what you did? Yeah, back, um, this is about a month ago, um, when I was moving my dad from one nursing home to another, we um, decided that we we're going to put in a link for me to control the laptop in his room. And uh, I've been doing this at the hospitals and nursing homes previously. It's nothing new for us. Um, but we wanted to just keep him a little bit better control and a little bit better connection because he had finally a private room. And um, this whole coronavirus thing was just starting. It was, um, they were starting to lock down places because the nursing home in Washington had actually occurred while we, while we were removing him. So we knew that this was coming and I wanted a little bit higher level of control and ability to communicate with him because right now, as it stands, uh, he's not, a, he doesn't really go out of his room except for once a day for, ther for a therapy visit. And mm -hmm. then everybody who comes in his room is not only uh, the same people, one or two people all week, uh, but they're always wearing masks, gowns you know, um, full PPE or protective equipment. So they don't look like, people you know they're 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 kind of a an entity coming in in a costume uh doing these things and trying to protect you from it they're not as uh, it, it's it's not as even as uh it's not normal yeah <laughs> so it's scary for the people who are there because they're they're not only restricted um as in nobody can come visit them at the nursing home but they they can't play bingo they can't go eat together in the community setting. They can't see the entertainment that usually comes to the to, to the uh, um, facility. Uh, their activity levels are way down. Um, it, it's it's really sad because it's more than just loneliness. It's actually starts to get into a mental uh, health problem. Absolutely, I can totally see that. So you set up a pretty sophisticated um, setup for your dad. I mean, you, you put in, a, I believe you put in a laptop, I think you put in a camera, you also put in some way of, of managing that technology remotely. Is that correct? Yes, um, because this is a, it's not a business. This is a, our family trying to communicate. We can use the personal version of real VNC or virtual computing, virtual network computing. It's a remote desktop that allows you to remotely control, log in and control uh, a laptop or a computer that's online. Um, besides that, it doesn't require any special networking or uh, technology to do. So uh, the laptop there is on a wireless connection. Um, it's a good one, but it's a wireless connection and it's just, lo it's, you know, just logged into wireless. Um, because I have real VNC on this computer and that one, I can bring up his computer and log into it at any time. Um, therefore I can control it. We did a little bit additional though. I brought in a 50 inch TV on a stand 
um, because the TV that was in there was too small and didn't have the right jacks for what we wanted to do and put a connection from the uh, mini display port uh, across the room to the uh, TV. So now I can control the laptop and my dad can make the laptop show on the TV. Uh, Wonderful. We put, we, we put the little camera on top of the TV pointing down at his <laughs> easy reclining chair. And um, so he can sit in front of his TV and have a video conference and I can control everything from here. So the laptop's on a desk behind him and he doesn't even have to do anything. That's amazing. That's wonderful. I mean, I know I've, 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 I'm, I'm the tech person for my family, right? So I've, I've, I've installed stuff for my mother who's 84 and, and, and then I, I get home and then, you know, oh, this doesn't work on the iPad and I know it works, but it's not working, right? It's the right thing. Buttons are not being pressed or whatever the case might be. And having that remote control capability is critical. It's more than critical. It allows um, the person that's having the problem or the person uh, who doesn't know how to do this stuff as well. It makes them feel a lot more comfortable that they're going to be able to succeed. They're going to be able to communicate and that you're, you're right there with them to help them. Uh, when you can move their mouse, when you can change what's going on and fix what's the problem is on their end from your end. It's, it's so comforting. I mean, yeah, that's amazing. That's really amazing because there is that fear factor. And, you know, I'm going to ask you a little bit and I'm going to isolate you on the camera here, but I'm going to ask you a little bit about your dad because your dad is not non-technical, right? And I'm going to isolate you so you can show what's beside you there. Cause we talked about that in the prep for this show, right? Your yeah. dad worked for iOmega. Your dad was an engineer. Can you talk about that real brief? My dad is actually in charge of the research and development department for iOmega. Uh, previously, uh, he was in charge of uh, manufacturing engineering for both Xerox and Versatech and, and then iOmega. He moved up into research and development and was um, then told to uh, task to build a team to build a new disk drive. And that new disk drive was the zip drive. And this is, uh, here's one of his things here. This is uh, one of his plaques that they gave him uh, his retirement. Uh, 2000, uh, because he manufactured uh, the early stuff from iOmega, the Bernoulli discs up here, uh, the old government backup drives. And um, he has a patent on these floptical discs, which is a, uh, a different thing. Oh, I am so sorry. Did I not turn my phone off? I did not. Okay. Sorry about <laughs> That's that. That's okay. Did uh, I hear, did I hear oh, you say the word floptical drive? Floptical drives. Yes. Do you remember... M.O. technology, M.O. drive technology. Sure, I right do here. not. <laughs> this is a magneto optical disc. In other words, it's a floppy disc that used to hold 1.44 megabytes of technology on it or data on it. Yes. And the technology uh, to use optical tracking on a magnetic media was developed uh, by a company called Imation, if I remember correctly. And um, there was a problem with the manufacturing on that because to do that, they had to burn a laser burn, a tiny dash in the disc around in circles. So they had a scanning technology that could pick up the uh, where the tracking was of the head. Yes. So once you um, uh, do that, you can put on 21 megabytes on a floppy <laughs> disk. So the um, this particular situation turned into because. I actually have a picture of this. This is uh, a lightsaber device. This is um, the thing that burned those discs. Let me see if I can get this better wow. camera. This is what burned uh, ah, my microphone. Uh, this is what burned the dashes into the discs. 
Yes. And it's one of the patents that my dad has is on a process to remove the dust from the disc after the laser burned the dash in it. Because well, the dust that was left on those discs kept messing up all the um, uh, um, the heads after a while. Well, that is just amazing. And I, I brought that up. Because, <laughs> Sorry, <laughs> I brought that up because I wanted to highlight that it's not just also, you know, a, a non-technical senior who might have issues, but because of physical implications, maybe because of eyesight, maybe even hand-eye coordination, other issues that happen to all of us when we get old, whether we were right. technical or not, having that ability to control it remotely is really, really critical. And your dad obviously was a pretty amazing gentleman who uh, was an engineer and understood a lot of that stuff and built a lot of the technology. Some of the, te I use zip drives <laughs> back in the day. Yeah. I've never heard of a floptical disc, so that's cool. But, um, <laughs> maybe to get back to what we're talking about here. Yeah, sorry you about that. Also, no, that's fine. That was perfect. I, I invited that. Um, <laughs> you also gave your dad a, a wearable piece of technology. Can you talk about that a little bit and what that does? Yes. Um, this year um, at, uh, at CES, uh, there was uh, several products that came out that were really designed and focused on um, connecting seniors in nursing homes and um, kind of an activity tracker for old people. Uh, but it's a little bit better than that. Um, this one is from a company called Care Predict, and the device is called a Tempo. It's a wrist-worn device. It's like a wristwatch, but it doesn't have the time or a display on it or anything. It's basically just a wrist device that has some sensors on the back against your skin. And on top of it is a button and some LED lights. The button can be pushed for three or four seconds and it actually sends an alert to me. Oh, wow. And uh, on my phone and pops up on my app and it tells me that there's an alert. I, I need to help him in some way. So once I um, get that, I can call him back through the Wi Fi the watch is connected to and speak directly to him and he can hear me and he can talk back to the watch. Wow. Kind of like a Dick Tracy's, you know, like uh, spy watch <laughs> at that point. But also included in this are some sensors against his skin that, that monitor his heartbeat. And um, it also monitors the room temperature. And there has a uh, fall detection sensor inside of it. Um, there's some other things in there. I think they're working on more features. But currently, these are the ones that work. And um, right now, he's not getting up that much to have a fall detection would be useful. But for most elderly people... Mm -hmm. And even him, when he's transferring from a wheelchair to his bed or something like that, if he falls, these fall detection units are very important because whether they have somebody around or not, you want to know yes. if the elderly person fell. Yeah. So communication can be more than just uh, talking to somebody, seeing somebody, knowing their activity levels, that their what their heartbeat is when they took the reading last um, things like that are very important for peace of mind. Um, yeah. Yeah. one of the problems I've had with this, uh, nursing homes and skilled nursing facilities and hospitals with my dad being in them is when I'm not there, it's hard to understand what might be happening or how he's doing. And so I want to go back, right. I want to mm -hmm. be there. Mm -hmm. And so the, the watch helps me uh, keep a communication with him that I wouldn't normally have, even through a remote desktop or a camera or anything like that. Yeah. It gives me the peace of mind that if he wants me, needs me, he can push a button. He doesn't have to be able to dial his phone. Yeah. He doesn't be able, he doesn't have to be able to find his phone. Yeah. 
and he can just push this button and it makes a, a like an alert audible alert there and um lets him know that the signal went out to me and a few minutes later i can call him back that's amazing. That's really amazing. And it's a great segue because what I wanted to talk about next is you've installed this technology. You've got the wearable there. How's What's that meant for your family? What's that meant for your mother, perhaps you, your, your siblings, others that want to know that your dad is okay? Yeah, that's very important. Um, I can explain it best by comparing it to times just previous in, in our own past here. A few months ago when he was, uh, last year actually, when he was in a skilled nursing center here in town, um, we had phone communication. I had remote desktop communication with his laptop when it was opened up and turned on. Um, but that's it. And he was 15 minutes away from my house. I still went over there every single day. And usually, you know, um, just to make sure everything was going all right, called him a couple of times a day. Now he's over an hour and a half away. Wow. Um, I don't, I'm not allowed to go visit now. Uh, but when I was able to, I didn't need to keep tabs on him as much. I didn't need to be in communication or felt I need to be there every single day. Um, I felt like I could stay at home for a few days. I could do this and that. I wasn't really as concerned because he could, Anytime he could push a button and call me, not just when he was able to. And with, uh, with elderly people who have dementia, my dad has stroke problems. He doesn't have dementia, uh, which is nice, but it, most elderly do have some form of dementia or problems with memory and, and things like that, that make some of these things like using a computer, using even a simple smartphone or cell phone or flip phone yes. a little bit more difficult than it is for you or me. Mm-hmm. So for them to be able to just push a button and know that I can call them back in a few minutes and talk to them is it, it makes me feel like I don't have to uh, be there every second. And it makes him feel that he has communication with me when he needs it, even if he can't get to his phone. Wonderful. Wonderful. Um, let's talk about other technologies. Obviously you set up some really sophisticated things there. Um, have you heard of, did you think of maybe setting up something like a a Facebook portal or an echo show or something like that? There is an Amazon echo show there. Um, we, we, uh, we actually use, uh, the echo, oops, sorry about that. Uh, we actually use the echo show right now, um, for more than just communication and that's why it's not our primary communication device. Um, it will work as that. It, it, it's very good at that as well. But the um, primary use of the uh, Alexa in his room is for speech therapy. Um, when you have stroke uh, patients, there's a uh, process called neuroplasticity feedback that teaches the brain things again. And speech is connected to swallowing. And because uh, strokes affect uh, your swallowing, it's actually, and, and your speech, it's actually the same thing and it can be fixed the same way. S- proper speech to Alexa is essential in making her work. And if you do it right, um, it works. And if you don't say it right, it doesn't. Alexa's got a wide understanding level and dialect level. So it works very well, even if you slur your speech. You can learn how to speak to it properly by slowing down, using spacing, and controlling the muscular control in your mouth. Wow. Well, that's what helps you swallow. Wow. So we've been able to bring help my dad back from dysphagia and aphasia with Alexa as a speech therapy device. And we do use it for communication, too. You use the drop-in or the calling features. 
And he knows that if he's like on the floor or something like that at home before he went to the nursing homes, he could just tell Alexa to dial. Um, yes. And I'm not going to say the three numbers because if, if my Alexa <laughs> heard me, it would be going off here. Uh, I have that. I muted that. um so yeah there there's um there those devices are essential the facebook portal i think might actually have an edge on some of the others with this because if i'm correct it has the uh uh, the amazon alexa built into it and it's more of a direct communications device than um uh, the the alexa has become right Um, for some reason or another amazon hasn't really uh, pursued the communications uh end of things as well uh, as they have the speech and AI end of it. Mm-hmm. So Facebook kind of adds that that layer of communication onto it, I think, in a very, very decent way. Yes, yes. It's funny, I just put up this comment here from Abram Taylor about um, uh, his mom who's in a home and having a tough time and using FaceTime. And I've done that with my mom as well. But I found in some cases that that's not, um, it's not foolproof. Uh, for, in- for instance, oh, yeah. her initiating it is, is a challenge, but also sometimes even accepting a call uh, is a challenge as well. Well, one of the great things, uh, the nursing homes around the Silicon Valley area, at least, um, the two that I've dealt with personally, have uh, offered to uh, provide uh, FaceTime conferences uh, for people and their parents in the room. Um, so they're using their own personal phones. And uh, um, uh, a um, like a, an account for the facility, and they're logging in uh, and um, doing a FaceTime with people at home with the elderly person in their room, which is nice because they've got some people that are helping them do the technology right. So yes. it takes it takes that element out of it and makes it yes. work. Yes. It's, it's interesting. We have a comment as well from somebody of what tools are missing or, or what you wish existed. Um, is there something that you wish existed that, that doesn't exist right now? It exists. Uh, everything we want to use and do these things exists somewhere. Trust me. Uh, production has been using live streaming technologies and um, NDI streams and things like that. Uh, for a very long time, and if you don't know what I'm talking about, that's just because it's not that consumer-friendly right now. Um, the consumer-friendly stuff has all come out of game streaming and Twitch and, and the kids that are doing it these days and uh, these uh, FaceTime and other personal communication things. But when you get down to the technology that's available for like a room in a senior home or something, there's very limited things you can you can do in a commercial basis. What is available um, is in, in, in enterprise conference rooms. We have uh, remote rooms that you control mm-hmm. from, from the uh, host uh, uh, software. So I can actually control the whole room remotely, including wow. the, the camera, whether they log in, whether they answer. You know, I can make the room join the meeting and whoever's in the room happens to be there. Yeah. Um, and, and that type of uh, system would be very beneficial for nursing homes to actually install themselves. Yes. Have control over and then give you a login so that you could uh, have control of your, your patient's room as an advocate. And as a family member, I would want that. And I know my patient, my dad would love for me to have that type of um, uh, command and control for him. Yeah. 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 I can see that uh, coming standard in, in better care homes and, and perhaps even hospitals at, at some point in the future uh, as a technology you, you're right is out there. It's available. Um, it, it's accessible. It just maybe not as user friendly. It's maybe not as integrated. It's maybe not as inexpensive as it needs to be, uh, but it's all coming there. I think 
the one of the important things is like I was saying with Alexis actually being used here as therapy and the touchscreen also that could be neuroplasticity feedback with, with touchscreen gaming, right? If those were placed in skilled nursing facilities and nursing homes across the United States, it would change the game because one, you could connect them to all the lights in the room, yeah, the temperature in the room, connect them to the nursing station, connect them to therapy, do speech therapy through the device. You don't even have to have someone go to the room anymore, which in this environment is beautiful. Yes. These little boxes with screens, half of screen, and the video conferencing built into them like this is, uh, it's a game changer for medicine, but they haven't really adapted to it yet. This and is the data systems and the data systems around that, right? Because you were talking about the peace of mind that you have because you know that your dad is moving around. He hasn't fallen. You've got the wearable. You got the data from that. You can see what his heart rate is, other things like that. If we had a data collection system that was centralized, people who run a care home or a hospital or whatever else could have peace of mind with good data collection and analysis uh, functionalities that, hey, our patients are good. They're ambulatory. They haven't fallen. Other things like that and nowhere to to send resources when they're needed right right it's it's so important that um the the whole what connects us people gripe about privacy and social um, uh, networking is kind of what we need to help our elders right now um we get a little mad when when things track us and provide advertising that may be something that we were conversing about online with somebody well, that can be a huge benefit to people who have memory problems, um, to people who have uh, communication problems because they don't have enough opportunity to communicate or they don't can't find the voice for the words in their mind. Yeah. Um, these kind of technologies that we've developed to um, to use for marketing and advertising and staying connected could actually help seniors with a little bit of AI added to them in being able to adapt to a life uh, where they can't operate these things, like you were saying. Um, mm -hmm. it, it's technology gets more difficult as we get older, not because the technology is not understood, but just because our minds were never taught how to understand and, and perceive um, that point of view. Mm -hmm. And so we look at things from a different point of view. We can't understand uh, how it works until we're into it. And yeah, somebody yeah. has to get us into it. Yeah, exactly. Interesting. I, I just see a comment from somebody, why not use the Apple Watch? And I, I use the Apple Watch myself, but it's designed as a personal tool. It doesn't have sort of a management level interface where you can see somebody's data. Apple would have to design that or enable that, uh, I assume, for it to work the same way. Yeah. And, and with these wrist-worn devices like the, like the Tempo from CarePredict that I'm using, it, it, there, there are things that the Apple Watch could do. Yeah. But it's not. And because of Apple's um, uh, control over what types of apps can be used on their devices and the fact that they have an ecosystem that is limited, um, it's not a good idea to um, uh, uh, develop on these type of platforms because you're limiting the number of people who can use it. And mm -hmm. quite frankly, most development, it comes from the users, not from the developers. The developers have the original concept or idea that works, and then the users direct where the development goes and how that that product is going to serve its, you know, uh, its best purposes, mm -hmm. usually. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, that's happening with this uh, device right now. Some of the uh, recommendations that I made a few weeks ago are starting to be implemented in their development nice. because they make sense. And, and this is a new product and they're still learning what this device that they've created is capable of doing yeah. and what the people who are using it want it to do yeah. and need it to do. Yeah. Um, you know, uh, that, that's, that's part of this whole, um, development process that we do these days. It used to be a company made a product for a purpose and that's what we <laughs> used it for. Um, but now pro- a company makes a product for a desired purpose or a demonstrated purpose. And we find 15 other ways of using it. Yes. And one of those ways becomes the way that we all use it. Yes. Drones. Yes. Drones are the best example of that in recent memory um, that I had anything to do with as well, because when drones first came out, it was a cute, fun thing. And we could lift a camera and get a shaky picture or something like that with it. But now they're using them as cinematic jibs and everything. It's it's incredible what we can do with a drone and how it can self-protect itself. You know, all this stuff. And it came out of something that we only had three or four minutes of airtime in the original days. That we had to spend, you know, an hour working on so we could fly it for those three or four minutes. <laughs> it's horrible, you know, but yeah. now it's a completely different thing. And that was driven by the users, not by the developers. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, last question. Um, now, um, seeing what you've built and how it works and, and what your dad uses and all those other things, what would you change? Uh, how would you build it differently if you had to st- do it all over from scratch? Um there's basically only one different one or two things I would do differently right now. We have one laptop that runs everything in the room. It's a little convenient, but it's also, there's no redundancy. And now that I can't go there, if something went wrong, um, there's no redundancy. You know, I hope he can fix it. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> so um, I would put what I have sitting right here. Matter of fact, is a, a little mini computer. These are um, about 300 bucks. You can buy a windows mini computer with a good uh, Intel graphics chip inside of it that'll run 4K on two screens at 60 frames. Uh, It's got eight gig of RAM in it and uh, 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 256 gig uh, SSD. So it's got enough stuff to run um, a TV. And that's what I would do is screw it on the back of the TV, plug it into there as one of the inputs and have control of two separate things instead of one. And then I would also probably upgrade and have gotten an enterprise control system so that I could have um, uh, hardware control, remote hardware control mm-hmm. um, from the other end point um, and done it that way. But considering we had three days from the time he got a private room until the day they were going to lock down, they ended up locking down the uh, facility. Wow. Um, we did a pretty good job with what we had. Uh, <laughs> I was lucky to actually have all the wiring and everything I needed to do it. <laughs> I had to go down to Home Depot and buy a whole new AC uh, wiring grid to wire everything because they wanted specific things in the plug strips to make it legal for their equipment there. And every piece of medical equipment has to be plugged directly into the wall and not into um, not into a a plug strip or something of that nature. So there's regulations and rules. You have to talk to your nursing home um, manager. Yeah. The, um, uh, the facilities manager and the IT person, uh, if you want to do kind of things like we're doing here. Wow. Um, if wow. they don't know about them, then they might shut them down or say it's a rogue network on their yes. uh, thing. I was not allowed to put in Alexa's 
Phillips Hue bulbs. Right. Because the Hue hub would have required a rogue network <laughs> to work properly. Yeah. And so that's not allowed. So I was able to put in plug controllers at the plug of the floor lamp. And that way control the whole lamp with a plug instead of the bulbs. Yes. Because the bulbs are a rogue network and they won't be allowed for medical <laughs> You and your rogue networks. Wow. <laughs> I am a rogue network. <laughs> well, George, I want to thank you for taking this time. Uh, it's been fascinating listening to you. And um, wow, you're, you're a good son. It, it's impressive to see from a distance. And it's impressive to see what you've done. Thank you for your time here. Well, thank you very much. I appreciate it, John. For everybody else, thank you for joining us on Tech First. My name is John Kutsir. Please like, subscribe, share, comment. Uh, love to see that, all of the above. If you're on the podcast afterwards and you like this, please rate it, review it. That would be a massive help. Thanks so much. Until next time, this is John Kutsir with Tech First.